0: chapter 1 of tom and some other girls this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by judy mason tom and some other girls by mrs george dehorn vesey chapter 1 a change yes she must go to school repeated mr chester a plaintive sob greeted his words from the neighbourhood of the sofa for once in her life mrs chester's kindly good-tempered face had lost its smiles and was puckered up into lines of distress she let one fat be-ringed hand drop to her side and wander restlessly over the satin skirt in search of a pocket presently out came a handkerchief which was applied to each eye in turn and came away bedewed with tears it will break my heart to part from her she faltered her husband laughed with masculine (laughs) scepticism oh nonsense dear he said hearts are not so easily broken "'You are too sensible to grieve over what is for the child's good "'and will get used to the separation, as other mothers have done before you. "'It will be the making of Rhoda to leave home for a few years "'to mix with other girls and find her level. "'She is getting an altogether exaggerated idea of her own importance.' "'Her level, indeed. Find her level.' i should like to know where you could find another girl like her cried the mother in a tone which showed plainly enough who was responsible for miss Rhoda's conceit the tears dried on her face for very indignation and she sat upright in her seat staring across the room it was a gorgeous apartment this drawing-room of early chase the residence of henry chester esq and mary his wife a gorgeous room in the literal acceptance of the term for each separate article of furniture looked as if it had been chosen more from the fact of its intrinsic value than for its usefulness or beauty mr chester the son of a country clergyman had considered himself passing rich when a manufacturer uncle took him into his employ at a salary of four hundred pounds a year the first thing he did after this position was assured was to marry his old love the daughter of the village doctor with whom he had played since childhood and the young couple spent the first dozen years of their married lives very happily and contentedly in a little house in a smoky manufacturing town the bachelor uncle was proud of his clever nephew and fond of the cheery little wife who was always kind and thoughtful even when gout and. A naturally irritable temper goaded him into conduct the reverse of amiable. When Harold was born and christened after himself, he presented the child with a silver mug and remarked that he hoped he would turn out better than most young men and not break his parents' hearts as a return for their goodness. When Jim followed, the mug was not forthcoming, but when little Rhoda made her appearance six years later... He gave her a rattle and trusted that she would improve in looks as she grew older since he never remembered seeing an uglier baby he was certainly neither a gracious nor a liberal old gentleman but the young couple were blessed with contented minds and moderate ambitions so they laughed good-naturedly at his crusty speeches and considered themselves rich inasmuch as they were able to pay their way and were spared anxiety for the future and then an extraordinary thing happened the old man died suddenly and left to his beloved nephew a fortune which even in these days of millionaires might truthfully be called enormous henry chester could not believe the lawyers when the amount of his new wealth was broken to him for his uncle had lived so unostentatiously that he had had no idea of the magnitude of his savings the little wife who had never known what it was to spend sixpence carelessly in all her thirty-five years grew quite hysterical with excitement when an arithmetical calculation proved to her the daily riches at her disposal but she recovered her composure with wonderful celerity and expressed her intention of enjoying the goods which the gods had sent her no poking in gloomy townhouses after this, no hoarding of riches as the poor old uncle had done while denying himself the common comforts of life. She herself had been economical from a sense of duty only, for her instincts were all for lavishness and generosity, and now, now, did not Henry feel it a provision of providence that Early Chase was empty and, as it were, waiting for their occupation? her husband gasped at the audacity of the idea early chase the finest place around one of the largest properties in the county and mary ann suggested that he should take it that he should remove from his fifty pound house into that stately old pile the suggestion appalled him and yet why not his lawyer assured him that he could afford it his children were growing up and he had their future to consider he thought of his handsome boys his curly-headed girl and decided proudly that nothing was too good for them he looked into the future and saw his children's children reigning in his stead and the name of chester honoured in the land so early chase was bought and little mrs chester furnished it as we have seen to her own great contentment and that of the tradespeople with whom she dealt and in the course of a few months the family moved into their new abode at first the country people were inclined to look coldly on the newcomers but it was impossible to keep up an unfriendly attitude toward mr and mrs chester they were utterly free from affectation and so far from aping that indifference to wealth adopted by most nouveau riche were so frankly transparently enchanted with their new possessions that they were more like a couple of children with a new toy than a steady-going middle-aged couple they won first respect and then affection and were felt to be a decided acquisition to the well-being of the neighbourhood since they were never appealed to in vain in the cause of charity in the days of her own short means when she had been obliged to look helplessly at the trials of her neighbours mrs chester had solaced herself by dreaming of what she would do if she had money and to spare and to her credit be it said she did not forget to put those dreams into execution when the opportunity arose the days are past when fairy godmothers flash suddenly before our raptured eyes clad in spangled robes with real true wings growing out of their shoulders but the race is not dead they appear sometimes as stout little women in satin gowns and befeathered bonnets and with the most prosaic of red beaming faces the chester barouche was not manufactured out of a pumpkin nor drawn by rats but none the less had it spirited away many a cinderella to the longed-for ball and when the prince was found the fairy godmother saw to it that there was no lack of satin gowns or glassy slippers dick whittington's two sitting friendless by the roadside were helped on to fortune and sleeping beauty was rescued from her dull little home and taken about to see the world it is wonderful what fairy deeds can be accomplished by a kind heart and a full purse and the recipients of mrs chester's bounty were relieved from undue weight of obligation by the transparent evidence that her enjoyment was even greater than their own harold went to eden and oxford and jim to sandhurst but rhoda stayed at home and ruled supreme over her mother her governesses and the servants of the establishment. Her great-uncle's wish had been fulfilled inasmuch as she grew up tall and straight, with a mane of reddish-gold hair and more than an average share of good looks. She was clever, too, and generous enough to have acknowledged her faults if it had for one moment occurred to her that she possessed any, which it had not. It was one of Mrs. Chester's articles of faith, That her daughter was the most beautiful, the most gifted, and the most perfect of created beings. And Rhoda agreeably acquiesced in the decision and was pitiful of other girls who were not as herself. Every morning, when she had not a headache and did not feel floppy or nervy, she did lessons with Fraulein, who adored her and shed tears behind her spectacles when obliged to point out a fault then the two would repair together to the tennis courts and play a set the pupil winning by six games to love or go a bicycle ride when rhoda would practise fancy figures while her good but cumbersome companion picked herself up from recumbent positions on the sidewalk and shook the dust from her garments at other times rhoda would put on her riding habit and go a ride round the estate taking care to emerge from the west gate at the moment when the village children were returning from school the little girls would bob in old-fashioned style and the boys would pull off their caps and rhoda would toss her flaxen mane and acknowledge their salutations with a gracious smile and a wave of the little gloved hand the children thought she looked like a fairy princess and no more dreamt that she was of the same flesh and blood as themselves than did miss rhoda herself then came lunch and more often than not some excuse for getting off the hour's lessons with fraulein before the visiting professors arrived music master drawing master french master they each came in their turn and rhoda exerted herself to do her best as she invariably did given the stimulus of an audience and was praised and flattered to her heart's desire it was a happy life and most satisfactory from the girl's point of view so that it seemed most annoying that it should be interrupted and by frulein too who had always been so meek and tractable who could have imagined when she went home for the summer holidays that an old love would appear and insist upon marrying her out of hand but what am i to do cried rhoda when the news was first received and then in stern disapproval i'm surprised at frulein at her age she should know better she always professed to be so devoted i can't understand how she could make up her mind to leave me it must have been a terrible trial to her dearest said mrs chester soothingly and she meant what she said how could any one prefer a fat long-haired spectacled lover all germans were fat long-haired and spectacled to her beautiful clever daughter she sighed once for rhoda's disappointment and once again and with an added stab for herself several times lately mr chester had hinted that rhoda was getting too much for frulein and should be sent to school while harold had treacherously seconded his father with remarks of such brotherly candour as made his mother hot with indignation jim was mercifully away from home but even so it was two against one and she instinctively felt that frulein's defection would be seized upon by the enemy and the attack pressed home upon the first opportunity and now it had come and there sat the poor dear soul shedding tears of anguish on her lace-edged handkerchief as she vainly tried to oppose the inevitable i cannot and will not part from my child nonsense mother you parted from me and i shall take it as a personal insult if you insinuate that you would feel rhoda's absence more than you did mine remember how delighted you were when i came back remember the holidays how happy you were how interested in all i had to tell Harold Chester crossed the room and laid his hand on his mother's shoulder with a kindly gesture. He looked as if he were made on the same principle as the other objects of vertu in the room, and if Mrs. Chester had desired to possess the most superfine specimen of sons and heirs. She had certainly got her wish, so far as appearances were concerned. Harold was tall and fair with aquiline features and a manly carriage his hair would have curled if it had not been cropped so close to his head his clothes were of immaculate cut at twenty-five he was known as one of the most daring sportsmen in the county and if he had not distinguished himself at college he had at least scrambled through with the crowd his mother declared with pride that he had never given her an hour's anxiety since he had had the measles and thanked heaven for her mercies every time she saw him ride off to the hunt in his beautiful pink coat harold was her first-born darling but rhoda was the baby and she could not bring herself to believe that her baby was growing up the child will fret and break her heart i don't care about myself but i will not have her made unhappy she has such a sensitive heart she sobbed as she spoke and harold laughed (laughs) you trust me mater rhoda is as well able to take care of herself as any girl can be you will regret it all your life long if you keep her at home now school is what she needs and school she must have if she is to make a woman worth having she is a jolly little soul and i am proud of her but her eyes are so taken up admiring miss rhoda chester that she has no attention left for anything else let her go mother and find out that there are other girls in the world besides herself but the other girls will bully her they will make fun of her and laugh at her little ways and a good harold checked himself and said cheerily rhoda won't let herself be bullied without knowing the reason why mother whatever fault she may have no one can accuse her of lack of spirit i believe she would like to go she has very few girl friends and would enjoy the new experience we will tell her about it and see what she says said mr chester and at that very moment the door opened and rhoda walked into the room chapter one